Okay, so, yeah, I think, you know, moments like this, it's hard to know what to follow it with, but I'll just stick to what I had planned um, in terms of what I wanted to speak this morning. Um, and uh, I just, I guess just in light of that, I just want you to know that if you need someone to talk to in this time, I think that's the best thing that we did there is let's pray together, let's, let's talk, let's, this is a time, I know it may seem like we're not saying a lot, um, that's to protect confidentiality, that's to go in a way that's with integrity, and so part of this is, I think, trusting, you know, trusting God, trusting your board through this, and, uh, and even trusting me through this. I know I'm new to the community, but um, trusting that and, and, you know, feel free to, if you, if you need, if you feel like you've just got a, a question that you need to ask or whatever it might be, feel free to talk to me. I am very much open. Um, that's something I, I hope comes across loud and clear since I've come here, that I, I love to meet with people. I love to see people. So please feel free to call me up email me, range a time for coffee. That's what it's all about for me. And, or pull a board member aside or call them up if you, wanna, if you need to talk in any way. Um, so I want you to know that as well. Um, but uh, we're in a series um, called Words of Wisdom. And uh, we're in Ecclesiastes right now. We're going to continue in Ecclesiastes. And uh, this thing's bugging me here. I'm going to move it out of the way. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of, Ecclesiastes is one of those books where um, I keep coming back to. Maybe it's because maybe it's of my philosophical side. It's one of those books that just really rings out like that. But it's, it's a great one for um, good reminders about, you know, staying humble. <laughs> good reminders about our limitations as, as humans. And in a good way, I, I look at, at the end of the day, I look at Ecclesiastes as kind of a much-needed check on some things that might, if they aren't checked, they might lead us into to trouble. And we're going to be looking at another one of those areas um, with, with Ecclesiastes to do with, with knowledge, to do with kind of what we, as, as humans, we're curious. We want to know the big picture. <laughs> we want to know... God's plan in things, and, and we want to know the future even, right? How much easier we think, if I could just know the future, then I'd know what to do here. If I just could just know the future, I'd know the decisions to make. But Ecclesiastes comes out loud and clear in saying those things are God's prerogative, those things only God knows, and humankind, try as we might, we, we can't know those things. There's certain things that only God knows. We can't fathom them. We can't begin to comprehend. So we're going to look at that message in Ecclesiastes for, I think, uh, that's because that's an important part of the path of wisdom, um, recognizing our limitations, recognizing the need for humility in, when we come up against our limitations. But this is another one of those times, too, I feel like Ecclesiastes really sets up the gospel really well. It, it points us to Jesus in some powerful ways. And in Ecclesiastes, we get that as well here, because I'm going to pair things off with the beginning of Ephesians, where Paul all of a sudden, kind of, you could imagine almost bursting onto the scene here, and if we're in a discussion about wisdom, 
Paul comes onto the scene and says, well, actually, in Jesus, God is letting us in on the plan. In Jesus, God is revealing himself in ways that he's never done before. And not only is he, like, letting us know the plan, he's actually wanting us to be a part of that plan. So we see in Jesus this amazing good news, this amazing fulfillment of some of the things in Ecclesiastes, even the longings of our hearts. So we're going to go there (laughs) today. And uh, so why don't we just dive in? I'm going to dive in uh, with Ecclesiastes, and we're going to move through that. And this theme of, of limitations around what we can understand, it starts early on in Ephesians chapter 3. And it, he introduces it with that beautiful um, passage, you know, 1 to 8, that says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun, a time, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. And it goes on. And this has been perhaps made most famous by the birds, that really great song from, what is it, the, the 60s, the 50s? Anyone know? <laughs> 60s? Yeah, that great tune. And that, so they've kind of brought it into popular consciousness, this, this idea, though, that, I mean, behind the poem is this idea that from God's perspective, everything has a time. There is a, there is a pattern, <laughs> there, the puzzle fits together. At the end of the day, it's not chaos that's ruling the show, it's order, it's God's goodness that's behind it all, even though appearance may be to the contrary at times. And this poem is reminding us of that, and that's right in the realm of wisdom. If you remember, wisdom is all about knowing what's appropriate for the moment, knowing the right thing to do at the right time, and experience can teach us that. But here it's saying, in God's wisdom, he knows the appropriate time for everything. God's wisdom is all-encompassing. But the flip side to this is, here's what he says about humans. God has made everything fit beautifully in its appropriate time, but he's also placed ignorance in the human heart so that people cannot discover what God has ordained from the beginning to the end of their lives. God's made everything fit beautifully in place, but he's also placed ignorance in the human heart. That word there, ignorance, Um, It's a bit of a tricky one. In different translations can lead you maybe a little bit in different directions. Um, It's translated here, ignorance. It can mean like mystery or the unknown or an enigma, that sort of thing. And that's the way I tend to take it here. It's like God knows the big picture. God knows how it all fits together, but he's placed a mystery in our hearts. He's placed ignorance of that in our hearts. Maybe for our own good. I, I, I tend to think of the Garden of Eden here where, you know, once we, we messed up and said, no thanks God, we're going to do it on our own, God had to cast us out of the garden. And the, the, the symbol there, the meaning behind that there is he didn't want us eating from the tree of life. He didn't want us having, like, living forever in that fallen state. So it was a grace, it was a mercy to cut us off from the tree of life. And I think something like that is going on here. It's not for our good, not for our own good to be in on that level of things <laughs> at God's level to understand the big picture. I think he's trying to, it's trying to say that this is, this is okay. This is just a human limitation. But it also could be translated eternity. Some translations like the NIV, the NRSV have eternity. God has placed eternity in the human heart. 
that gives it a different flavor. It still means that we can't understand eternity. <laughs> we can't fathom eternity because that latter part of it still is true that people can't discover what God has ordained, what God is planning out. But there it's like there's this desire in us, right? There's this kind of longing for, et- for eternity, for eternal life. There's this longing to understand things more. There's this longing to be brought in on the plan, on God's plan. But for whatever reason, Ecclesiastes tells us that that's just not the case. God hasn't made that the case. So um, the message translation says, true, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time, but he's left us in the dark. (laughs) So we can never know what God is up to, whether he's coming or going. There, that's got that Ecclesiastes little bit of a tinge of cynicism almost there, (laughs) where it's like, well, sometimes just feels like we're in the dark about this stuff. You know, and Ecclesiastes goes through, it's almost like he's venting at different points. And here he's like, I don't know why we're in the dark, but we seem to be (laughs) in the dark. But behind that, there's that truth. We can't fathom things from God's perspective. And um, James Crenshaw, he's got this summary of that there that I like. He's saying, that kind of shows the human condition a little bit. We can't know it, but there's this desire in us, this burning desire to know it, to know things from God's perspective, to have complete knowledge of all things and the reason why. So that way we could control things. That way we could control the future. If we could just kind of get all understanding of all the pieces, maybe then we could control our own fate, control our own destiny. And when I read that, I think to myself, well, that pretty much summarizes our culture pretty well <laughs> in, our, in our time. I mean, for many, many years now in, the, in our culture, North America, Western culture, we've kind of looked to maybe science, technology to be the ticket. That'll, that's going to help us to have that complete knowledge. We've placed a lot of trust in human ingenuity. If we just work a bit harder, make some more discoveries, we can get rid of all that mystery stuff, all that ignorance stuff that Ecclesiastes talks about, and maybe we can figure it all out enough that we can change our destiny, control our destiny. Even to the point now, I'm reading articles about how there's work being done to try to slow down the aging process to perhaps conquer death itself. And so you just see it, this drive in us to understand, to, to figure it out, to control the future. And don't get me wrong, this isn't a, us, let's go Amish or something like that, like let's dispel technology or something like that. I'm a big fan of technology. Come home and, and check out my music studio at my place. You can tell that I love technology. And let's face it, technology has done some amazing goods for us. I mean, I'm very thankful for what's available at the hospital just a couple blocks down if I'm sick. And that's, you know, where science has really helped us and technology has helped us. But I see this as about, it's about limitations, right? It's about putting an important check and balance on that drive. That drive's there. We're curious. We want to be able to control things. But this provides a check on that and says, look, it's okay, but we're never going to understand things at that level. It's hard as we might work. There's certain things that are beyond our comprehension. And Ecclesiastes makes it clear. He says, um, surely no one knows the future. No one can tell another person what will happen. 
when it comes to the future, we're somewhat in the dark, right? We can try and predict, but you never know what curveball is going to be thrown into the mix to just change things up completely. Hindsight may be 2020, but certainly not foresight. So we're in the dark about that. That's okay. That's just one of our limitations. And also, he says, just as you'll never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman, so you'll never understand the mystery at work in all that God does. The things that God knows, how God sees the world, it's always going to be a mystery. And that, that uh, picture there of life being formed in the womb, that's like perfect, I think, for, for our time. Because sure, science has, cost, has cast a lot of light on that process, what happens in the womb. But there's certain things I think we'll never fully understand. Reproduction itself, like how to make that happen, <laughs> you know, how to create something that can reproduce, that's a mystery. And then how a, a life can, you know, one moment it's not there, next minute it's there, and it's going to become a person who, is, who can capable of love and dreams and thoughts and consciousness and all of that. We'll never be able to figure that one out. <laughs> With all that we try, that's still going to remain a mystery. Those are things that God understands, God comprehends, but how could we ever comprehend that? And so summing it up, here's what Ecclesiastes says in in, uh, chapter 8, verses 16 to 17. It says, When I tried to gain wisdom and to observe the activity on earth, even though it prevents anyone from sleeping day or night, then I discerned all that God has done. No one really comprehends what happens on earth. Despite all human efforts to discover it, no one can ever grasp it. Even if a wise person claimed that he understood, he would not really comprehend it. So he's saying, even even though someone might say, you know, I got this figured out. He's kind of like, don't believe them. (laughs) You know, even the wisest person on earth couldn't comprehend it. And that's an important thing for us all to hear, humankind in general, each of us individually. So what does Ecclesiastes recommend in its place? Well, it's kind of in line with what we talked about last week, but focus on the things that you can control in your life. Focus on the good that God has given you. It talks a lot about what's best is just to enjoy the, the gifts that God has given us. Enjoy your friends, enjoy your spouse, enjoy the food you have, enjoy the work that God's given you. Just savor the moment, because the moment's what we've got. The future, we're not sure about, but the moment, we've got it, so let's enjoy it. That's good advice. And, uh, and also, it says at the end of it, to respect God, to love God, and trust God. The, the, sum, the summing up of Ecclesiastes is this, uh, twelve thirteen, Having heard everything, I've reached this conclusion. <laughs> so that's a big one after all that you read through Ecclesiastes. Reach this conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is the whole duty of man. <laughs> Fear God, keep his commandments. In other words, trust God. Focus on God, focusing on worshiping God and trust what he's teaching us. Trust in the commandments, trust in that he's giving us wisdom, that we can grow in wisdom together, that we can lean on God and he'll guide us through. He'll give us what we need to guide us through. So that's part of, that's the one half of what we're talking about today. That good reminder 
that, yeah, we, we are limited in how we can understand things. We're limited in understanding the future, understanding what God knows. But that's okay, you know, that's okay. And it's actually a futile exercise to try to change it. It's, it's better just to accept that <laughs> and then kind of move forward, enjoying what God has given. Let's focus on the good things we do have instead of the things that we've lost. It's that sort of thing. And trusting God, even though it seems like there's a lot of reason to throw up your hands and walk away. But, again, we're moving to the gospel now. So <laughs> there's good news here that we have in Christ. And in some ways, it almost changes the picture of what Ecclesiastes said. And I love that when that happens. When it almost, the Bible sets you up for one thing, and then it's the surprise <laughs> in Jesus. Because after all that we've said there, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians um, chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. This is the message translation. So it says, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. Where Ecclesiastes was like, it seems like it's meaningless. It seems like we're in this endless cycle that we can't get out of. Paul says, we're abundantly free. God thought of everything. He provided for everything we could possibly need. And here's the big, big part. Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. Those plans, he set it all out before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. So where Ecclesiastes is saying, without God's help, on our own, just left to our own strength, things are a mystery. We can't, even when it comes to God, God is a mystery. And God's plans are a mystery. But God didn't want to leave it that way. He didn't want to, he didn't want to kind of leave us to that. In Jesus, God's letting us in on the plan. The marvelous plan, it turned out that God had all along that's coming true in Jesus. It's all laid out in Christ. And Paul goes on, verses 11 to 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. Had, designed us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ we see God's plan, not just in a general sense, but for each of us. It's in Christ that we look to and we see, okay, that's what God wants for all of us, that kind of love that's there, that kind of freedom that's there, freedom from fear, that's there. It's all laid out in Christ, and we can look at Christ and know what we're meant for, what we're living for. And most importantly, we can know God in Jesus. The thing that the Ecclesiastes kind of struggles with is God just seems like a mystery. When we're in times that are really hard, times of darkness where the future seems so uncertain, the tendency is to think, okay, maybe I just can't know God. Maybe he's more like, you know, what my friends are saying, that he's 
Maybe he isn't kind. Maybe he isn't loving. Maybe he doesn't want us to know what he's all about. Maybe he doesn't even exist. But in Jesus, Paul tells us, no, that's, that's not the truth, actually. Um, in, in verses 17 to 19, it's, this is Paul's prayer for all of us. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's a gift. God doesn't want us to be in the dark. He wants to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And why? So that we can go off and do our own thing and kind of figure things out? No, (laughs) so that we can know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That word for knowledge there, it's not like Ecclesiastes. It's not this kind of like vague, maybe kind of under, maybe that's true, I don't know. It's, it stands for precise and correct knowledge. We've got the truth here, and we can grow toward really, really getting it, really comprehending it. But there's a, an interesting twist here, and it's one that I need to hear as well, because it doesn't say that then you're going to kind of like have it all intellectually figured out. It turns out it's a heart thing. Again, this is something we've talked about before many times. But he says, actually, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. There's a twist there. We come to know God. We come to know God's desires, his plan, and all of that in a, through the heart. And here, that's, I think, important. Because that's telling us that this is, at the end of the day, we've heard this many times, but this is a, a relational understanding that's going on here. It's not like a, oh, I've got ideas about God. It's a, wow, I'm actually getting to know God through Christ. And it's, so it's one that you're experiencing it and, and learning it in that way. It's that difference between, you know, head knowledge, heart knowledge. You can kind of sort of understand something, but then when you live it out, you start to really get it. And he says that, I, I pray that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. So it's a relationship founded on power that's there. And that, I think, is, is maybe something that's worth reflecting on this week. That at the end of the day, the, it all comes down to that relationship with God. Paul, if we're putting it side by side with Ecclesiastes, you can imagine, right, at times the writer of Ecclesiastes is like, just, just, give, me the, just give me the understanding, please, like, so we can figure it out and so we can know what to do. But Paul's answer to this is, well, no, it's a relationship that you need, <laughs> You need to come to God. You need to experience that relationship with God. And, and the, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, um, but you've been around the church world before. There's a one catechism that says, like, to love God and to glorify him, that's the purpose. That's the chief end of humankind. That's, that's our purpose, to love God and to enjoy him. So it's kind of like summing it all up here. And that makes things pretty simple. <laughs> I know when I'm in a time when things are really hard and I'm trying to figure out what's the purpose of all this, you know? What am I supposed to do with this? I'm reminded of this. Well, at the end of the day, it's about a relationship with God. 
At the end of the day, it's about a loving relationship with God. And Jesus has made that possible. Jesus has made that possible. No matter what we're going through, we can trust that we have been called to a glorious inheritance and incomparably great power, it says there. And on top of that, Paul adds this. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. This is verses 22 to 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. These are big words about the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So the the church, the big C church, all Christians around the world, us at the pier, at Highway, at, at Wall Street, at all different places, it says this, the world is peripheral to the church. Now all of a sudden, the church is like at the center of God's plan, of, of God, what, what God's trying to do in creation, inviting people into this relationship that's going to change everything because it's a relationship that isn't just meant to benefit ourselves, right? Paul's saying this changes everything, you know. This changes everything. If we focus on that power, on that relationship, it can transform our lives. It can transform our communities. So it's, at the end of the day, there's that power there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off there. <laughs> I'm going to conclude now. Um, to sum up what I've said, and then I'm going to bring it home with one last thought, but to summarize that, right, <laughs> there's this back and forth going on that we've been doing with Ecclesiastes and the New Testament. And Ecclesiastes reminds us of our limitations. It reminds us that it's okay. You know what? We can't know the future, and it's okay. We can't understand things from God's perspective. The best thing we can do is enjoy what God's given us and trust God. That right there, that stays true, I think, in all of this. That's good advice at any time. But then the gospel comes along. Jesus comes along and says, actually, you know that longing that you have, that longing that's there in our culture especially, that longing to, to understand more, that longing to kind of be let in on the plan, to, to not be out in the dark. Paul says, you know what, that's, that's actually, maybe there's a part of it that's God-given. God placed eternity, maybe that's the part of that verse, God placed eternity in our hearts, that we'd keep desiring something, and that something is Christ, it turns out. That something is Christ where all the God's plans are laid out for us there. We see what we're meant to be. We see the meaning of life in Christ. And in return, in the full circle, then we as the church become Christ's body to the world. To continue that transforming, um, maybe cycle we could call it, that transforming plan <laughs> that God has. He's not trying to stay hidden. He wants to be known And he's provided the way for that to happen so that we could have a relationship with God, what we were meant for. So, here's, maybe I'll finish off with what Paul says, verses 13 to 14. I've just been kind of working through chapter 1 of Ephesians. It's one of those beautiful chapters. It says that, you know what, as part of the package deal... (laughs) That part about the future where we feel like we're in the dark, well, actually, Christ shows us something really important about our future. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, 
the, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. We don't have to fear anymore. We're home free. We're signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The down payment from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. And that refers to that hope, the coming in full of God's kingdom. Right now we get tastes of it. When we experience love and community, we get tastes of it. When we experience the power of God, we get tastes of the kingdom. And Paul says that's like a, that's like a down payment here. That's, a, that's like a guarantee that more is coming. More is on the way, continually on the way. So we can trust that even the future, even though we're sort of still trying to like feel our way through and trust God through it, it's not a scary thing. The future isn't a scary thing. So I like that. It turns out that here the gospel fulfills a, a major longing that we all have to, to know God, to know what God has for us. And to be kind of brought in <laughs> on that plan. And it turns out that's all possible in Christ. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. And uh, I want to invite our worship team to come up for, for one more song. And uh, yeah, I just, prayer, what, what better thing to do <laughs> but than pray? <laughs> and so... I invite you, as we sing this last song, to pray in whatever way you see fit. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to come up to the front and you want to pray, that's great. And if you see someone who comes up that maybe could use someone to come alongside them to pray, feel free. I know we've got to kind of, you know, we've got to respect the distance thing, but you can kind of be close enough <laughs> so that someone knows that you're there with them praying for them. It doesn't have to be out, out loud spoken, but just sensing that we're there with each other. If you want, staying where you are to pray, that is fine. And we're going to pray and sing and, and worship God together.